Hey, Sam, is it that time of the month for you, too? Um, Bev, I don't know that we should talk about that on the podcast. Uh-huh. What what time of the month are you talking about? I, I'm talking about when we get our Henny and Rue boxes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. You mean the, the monthly surprise box for chickens and the people that love them? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Now that we're on the same page, yes. I, I love that <laughs> time of the month. It's great. <laughs> It's so exciting to get useful things like for my flock and extra surprises for myself. Yes. And I love that we get to offer our listeners 10% off their first box when they use the code drink and farm at checkout. And you can also save 10% off the whole store when you become a subscriber, kind of like a VIP. So go sign up, hennyandrue.com. <laughs> hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. Oh, you probably didn't get to hear that. I heard it. it. Was, uh, I heard oh, you it. Hear it. Okay, good. Yeah, I heard it. It was quiet. <laughs> it was a little quiet. Well, I'm I'm still experimenting with this mic thing I got set up over here. I'm I'm not sure I'm a fan. I might be adjusting myself during this. <laughs> that sounded kind of dirty. I was adjusting myself. So, what did you just open over there? So I opened a coffee brown ale by Mount Carmel Brewing Company, which is a brewing company in Cincinnati, Ohio. So it's a nice local beer. And I thought that this coffee brown ale went well with our rainy fall weather that we're having today. So you've transitioned away from the summer beer, at least for this episode. At least for this episode. I had a summer beer planned out and I almost grabbed it, but it's like so cold and rainy here. I was like, nah, I might as well just embrace what Mother Nature is giving me. So I went with this coffee brown. And it's funny, like the label actually tells you that this is a great breakfast beer. (laughs) No, it says uh, notes of sweet maple and explosive coffee create a rousing finish. Perfect for the start of your morning. (laughs) I don't know that I would be opening this in the morning personally, <laughs> but it would go well with breakfast for dinner. That's for sure. Yeah. It's like top of the morning to you. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you drinking over there? So I have um, from New Belgium Brewery. I just hit my mic thing. Uh, whoops. Uh, fat Tire. Ooh, that's one of my favorites. Style ale. Yeah. I picked it up for um, for the barbecue I went to yesterday. And I drank four of them when I was there, so I had two left over. So I was like, this is perfect. I haven't had this on the podcast yet, so it felt like two birds, one stone, because, you know, we always try to not repeat drinks very often anyways. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, so one thing I've been thinking of adding to the website is a page that has what we've drank on every episode. Ooh. I just haven't gotten around to it. So I'll start thinking about jotting that down so that I can get started on that page. Um, Because that would be fun to like, especially when we've been doing this for a year, to see like what a year of Sam and Bev drinking on a podcast looks like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All over the place. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's going to be all over the place. But, Mm -hmm. you know, really, I was looking for a pumpkin beer. And I asked my husband, I was like, do we have any pumpkin beers in the fridge? Because this fall-ish weather is making me feel like a pumpkin beer. And he's like... Is it for the podcast? I was like, yeah, it's for the podcast. He's like, well, we don't have any, but I was like, no, we're not running out to go pick up pumpkin beer <laughs> for the podcast. I'm like, just next week, maybe we should go find some pumpkin beer. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I got this yesterday. Because, like, this one is okay in the summer, but it's not what I would call refreshing when it's, like, hot as balls outside. No, um, definitely not. But, yeah, it's, like, 59 here, and it's sprinkling. It's supposed to rain later tonight. So, I mean, I'm not complaining. There were people complaining at the barbecue yesterday that they didn't like this weather. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can wear long sleeves. It, this the shirt hides my food baby from all the barbecue yumminess that I ate. And like I, you know, I'm not gonna sweat when I do chores when I get home. Like this is fantastic. <laughs> like I'm not complaining one bit. I would like the sun to come out though. That would be nice. Um but yeah, I no, always I, welcome the sun. Yeah. It just puts me in a better mood. Oh for sure. And I I just feel like this is one of the rare times that I am like mostly in agreement with mother nature and her decision because it's been (laughs) so humid here lately that like doing anything outside is just like you're just drenched by the time you come in so I like this little break it's supposed to you know come back up so by the time this drops it'll be like 80 degrees again which is fine but yeah listen to us (laughs) talking about the weather (laughs) and that was weather corner yeah no I have just one more thing I have to add I almost (laughs) put out our fall decorations today I like Mm. even went up in the attic and pulled them out yeah and then I looked at the forecast and I saw the 80s next week I was like oh I guess I'll wait a week or two (laughs) but September 22nd all that fall shit is coming down oh yeah and it's gonna go all over the place Uh, same here I got um six garden mums this past week Ooh, fun to put on my porch because like all my summer shit is just dried up and dead so everything that was like safe for the chickens I just threw into their run so they could play with it and then I got the mums and then in a couple weeks I'll get some pumpkins to put on the porch too I'm just trying to like ease my way into it even though I'm like so ready to (laughs) put all my fall shit up too right And, you know, I totally forgot our drinks were sponsored by Ashley Kiernan. So cheers, lady. Yeah. We were supposed to put that with the drinks area, um, but we're putting it after Weather Corner. Yeah. Um, But it's all right. Ashley's super sweet. She'll forgive us. And if anything, this will make her laugh. So. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's uh, she's supported our drinking habit for a few months now. So thank you. She has. I think she was one of our very first Patreon supporters. Yeah. That's what we call a ride or die, I think. Oh, is that no. what it is? I think is she so. one of our ride or die, ride or dies, <laughs> rider dies. She's uh, a, she's in our tribe. Let's just say go. that. We that sounds less that. serious. <laughs> it does. It does sound less serious. <laughs> Maybe she can be like on the council of our tribe. Maybe oh, just say there that. we go. Yeah. When our tribe has a has council members. Yes. What will yes. our council members do on uh, our tribe? They can help us determine. Um topics for things i don't know why that was so hard to get out of my brain (laughs) i was like where did i want to go with this (laughs) it just blows and some days it just does not oh and Um, like and like i said in the bs i i had two mimosas at brunch like i my am just off my game today that's all right well you know i feel like these uh changing like anytime there's like transitions going on i feel like i'm always a little off for like a few and then we get back into it that's the fun of having a podcast run so long like I imagine that even though the episodes are going to still have like a similar feel just because they're us I feel like they're going to be very different depending on the season and like what's going on yeah for sure 
But yeah, you guys can go listen to all of our BS. Um, Bev's put it up on Patreon. It, you know, we're we're pulling in like half hour, 40 minutes on those BS sessions. So if you just want to learn more about me and Bev on a personal level, not necessarily a farm homestead level, go over there and listen to it. it you can listen to it for free, too. We're not charging for that. So. Yeah, no, um, it's public on the Patreon page. So there will be a link to it in the show notes. You can go to the page and you can listen to all of the BS sessions without actually being a Patreon contributor. But while you're there, if you like what you hear and you like this podcast, you can think about joining our Patreon family. And when you do that this month at the $5 level or above, then next month, Sam is going to be sending out our little gifties. Mm -hmm. So um, and we do that as a thank you to you guys for being Patreon supporters. Um, But try not to join the Patreon just for the giftie and then drop it. We understand that things happen. So you're not always going to be able to be a Patreon supporter. And that's totally fine. No judgment whatsoever. It doesn't make us angry, but it does make us feel bad when somebody just joins it for the gift and then drops the next month. Uh, That makes us sad. Yeah. Makes us feel a little used. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Just a little. Good word. Just a little. But you're right. Like we, we do understand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. No hard feelings. And we totally don't expect that everybody is going to want to support on Patreon. That's not why we do this. <laughs> We've explained yeah. that a bunch, so we won't go into it again. <laughs> but yeah, I've had multiple people ask me when the because last time we sent a gifty, it was a black koozie with a full color logo on it. And I've had multiple people ask me, where can I get one? And it's like, well, that was just for Patreon supporters, and I don't know when, you know, Sam's going to have the bandwidth to make them <laughs> for the general public. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a perk of being a Patreon supporter. Like, yeah, you're going to get, get the exclusive, exclusive things. It's not yeah. necessarily going to end up in the store. So there's that, too. There we go. And we're getting so close to our Patreon goal, too. We're at 90% of it, which is just, like, totally blowing my mind. We it's talk so about cool. how Patreon blows our minds all the time. Yeah. Um, but it really does. And when we hit that $100 level, I realize I don't talk about what the goals are. Um, but our first stretch goal was $100 a month. And when we hit that, I'll get my friends started on making us a little theme song and some transition music so that our podcast can just sound more professional. Yeah. We'll still start by saying hi to each other, but there just might be a fancy little ditty before that. (laughs) Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Although, you know, I've been thinking of cutting that high thing because like we're 10 minutes in and we still haven't told people that this is we drink and we learn things. But if we had the little ditty, it would tell them and we wouldn't have to remember to tell them. Oh, good point. It can be like built into the ditty. Mm -hmm. Should the ditty have a banjo? Uh, but as long as it doesn't go, but a ding, 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 because <laughs> that just makes me think of like inbreeding. <laughs> I, I don't think our podcast makes people think about that. I don't know. What I would hope our not. Podcast is. But please don't put that in the. <laughs> maybe a fiddle. How about a fiddle? Oh, I like fiddles. Fiddles yeah. are fun. I think that's more neutral. Yeah. <laughs> on the hillbilly level. <laughs> so this is we drink and we farm things where we yeah. drink. And we talk about farming things. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Yeah, we talk more about farming than drinking, but you know. We do. We only talk about drinking at the very beginning, and it's what we're drinking. Yes. So we're, we're past that now. So now we can move on to the farming. But we're still on housekeeping corner. <coughs> yes. Are we? So we have some more <laughs> housekeeping. There we oh, go. Oh, shit. I already scrolled down. 
<laughs> Sam's Stop scrolling fired. on the notes. <laughs> Don't forget to take our survey. There's a link to it in the show notes. If you like this show and you want it to keep going, taking the survey is one way to help us keep advertisers happy. It's totally anonymous. It gives you an opportunity to give us some feedback on our show. So if there's something, you know, like you really don't like or that you really like and you want to make sure it keeps going, you get to give us that feedback anonymous. An- 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 anonymously. <laughs> I swear I just opened that beer. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, go do that because that's where we got the idea to put our BS or just our general non-farming discussions over on the Patreon uh, because not everybody enjoyed that and we understand that and we want to, well, we're not going to change who we are as humans, we do want to accommodate and take feedback. Um, yes, because we're flexible better. human beings. Yeah. Um, and you guys can also join our Facebook group. Uh, if you just type in the search bar, we drink and we farm things, uh, the group should come right up. And you'll just have to answer a couple questions just to make sure you're not a robot and trying to get into our group. But we've had some awesome conversations this week in there. Uh, the group is still under 100 people, but I kind of enjoy that in a way because we're able to have really good small conversations. Um, everybody is, you know, not being a dick so far, so that helps. <laughs> it does. It helps very much. <laughs> yeah, and everybody jumps in and is trying to be helpful. Um, but we've talked about things like coop space. Um, we have some people prepping for the hurricane Um, That might be hitting the East Coast this week. We just don't know how bad it's going to be. Like, there's so many different conversations going on in there. It's really cool to see. So if you're looking for a fun community um, where you can ask questions in a place where people aren't going to be assholes, um, come join our group. Uh, I've been really enjoying it in there this week. I can't believe how great the conversations have been going. Um, Mm -hmm. We had some great host garlic conversations in there. Oh, yeah. Which were super fun and... Yeah, join us. It was really, it was cool to see how many people were equally grossed out by the whole prisoners biting garlic thing. Yeah, uh, it it was. Yeah. yeah, we were all pretty much on the same board, on the same like plane. We we're all like, we want to grow our own gar- garlic, or we're gonna really pay attention <laughs> to where we're buying it. And we don't care if it costs more. Um, so that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was super cool. So that's all I have for housekeeping. All right, I can scroll now. Yeah, you can scroll now. (laughs) See, once we hit our Patreon goal, Sam won't have to make little noises as much to transition. Yeah, there'll be no more woohoos. Oh, I I can't. Well, maybe just a couple woohoos. There'll be less woohoos. (laughs) (laughs) And there will definitely be less of that obnoxious rooster because I will find a different sound to transition into commercials. You're welcome. So Sam, what treat is it that you give your chickens when you want them to have super crazy strong eggshells and healthy feathers? Well, my grublies bring all the girls to the yard and sometimes the boys too. And they're so like, obviously- it's better than worms? <laughs> yes, <laughs> damn right. It's better than worms. Because <laughs> you know, so funny. <laughs> most worms are created in China. I'm still having trouble with that main thing. (laughs) Created in China, grown in China, whatever you want to call it. But grublies are grown in the USA and they eat garbage, which keeps garbage out of the landfill. I mean, like food garbage, not like plastic. (laughs) Well, that'd be pretty amazing if they could eat plastic too. 
but they do offset seven pounds of carbon dioxide for every pound too. So that's why you should just go ahead and subscribe to get them every single month because not only is it fantastical for your chickens, but also for the environment. Yes, and you can use code WINE20 at checkout at grublies.com and you'll get 20% off your first order. Woohoo! So we don't have anything in our corrections corner. Apparently, Bev and Sam were really smart last week because uh, yeah. we didn't find that we made any mistakes. Uh, but if we said something that was incorrect, uh, feel free to shoot us a note and let us know. Yeah. You can email us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com and we'll correct ourselves in the corrections yeah. corner. Next week. But we do have some follow-up on COD. Yes. So last week we watched the COD episode of Rotten and we talked all about it. And it was a thoughtful and engaging conversation about fish. I almost named the episode that. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> I, I, I like the name that you decided on, though, because there's a COD father. Yeah. <laughs> because who knew before last week that there was a COD father? Right. I didn't know. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Although it was funny. I Googled it afterwards and uh, Modern Farmer and a bunch of other like blogs and publications had written about New Bedford and the COD father. Oh, my gosh. So. I don't know how I missed it. Yeah. And it would have been fun to find those things while we were actually talking about it because it did give us some like supplemental information that the that the documentary skipped over. But sorry, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) And now that you say it, you're not going to do it. I know. That's exactly what happens. (laughs) Don't sneeze, Bev. (laughs) I mostly just didn't want to like rear my head back and slam my nose into the microphone because that would have been like kind of embarrassing. (laughs) That and it would have been really loud for me too. So thank you. Yeah, you would have been like, ow, ears. But um, after we had that conversation about COD, I realized that we totally forgot to encourage people to go and support their local fishermen if you do live in a place where fresh seafood is available. Um, I forgot about it because I live in Ohio. So like fresh caught fish is something that you can't really find here. (laughs) No. Yeah. um, I mean, you guys have the Great Lakes up there. So I don't know if you guys have any fish markets. Uh, We're pretty much in the middle of the state. That's right. Yeah. No, not really. Yeah. So. But but we're like a couple hour drive from that resource if we want to go like fish our own. Oh, so that'd be pretty cool. You know. But it was just a good reminder that, like, if you live somewhere where you can get some fish from a local fisherman, you should go buy your fish from them if you can. Even if it's just, you know, once every couple of months if you enjoy fish. Um, Because, Mm -hmm. like, as homesteaders and, like, farm dreamers, nothing makes me happier than supporting other people that are trying to live their dream also. Like, I know we were kind of down on, like, the fisherman lifestyle and how it was kind of going away because the fish population seems to be, you know, going down and the regulations seem to be sort of, like, elbowing them out. But there are things we can do to support each other in in what we're doing. Because one of the things that's easy to forget about when you're, like, a homesteader is, like, we're always saying, like, self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency. Well, like, we've said teamwork makes the dream work, like, a lot. And that's so true with each other, too. No, for sure. Because, like, there are just things that I don't have the time or patience to do. But being consci- conscious enough of your decisions and what where you make your purchases makes all the difference. Even with just fish, like like you said. 
we said last week, like the foreign fish market has, you know, really decimated the U.S. fish fish market as far as like shelf space goes. So even just checking your labels on the fish, you know, that's one little step that you can take. Oh, yeah. We want to encourage you to support each other in the things that we're doing. And I just yeah. I can't believe I missed that. I, don't, I was kind of beating myself afterward, uh, oh. up afterwards. I was like, oh. but I feel like you know it's it's an assumption. I think in my brain I just assumed that that conversation would inspire people to do that. Like it didn't need to be said. Oh but yeah, maybe it did. Hello. <laughs> well, I just didn't want it to sound like we were just you know against like the fish industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Because like. One of my favorite things like about this is I love getting to know the other people that I'm getting my food from. When mm-hmm. I go to my local Mennonite market, I know the girl that works behind the counter. Like she sees me all the time and we have conversations. Aww. And like when Aurora is not with me, you know, like she asks me how she is and stuff. It's fun. It, it's fun for me to put a face to to those products that I'm getting and it makes me happy like to consume them and I don't know it makes me also consume them more consciously too like I don't just buy as much of it as I possibly can and then like let some go to waste like I try to really think about how much we're gonna really use that week or like do I have the time to freeze the leftovers if I don't like I don't know yeah no I'm with you like I mentioned that barbecue I went to earlier the amount of meat that was at that barbecue was insane. And the (laughs) amount of meat that they didn't even get to, to cook. There were like four whole pork butts left and a brisket left. Like people had like mountains of meat on their plate, me included. Like I, I tried, you know, the pulled pork, the burnt ends, you know, things like that. I was eating too. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan, but like realizing like, that I didn't know where that came from and that there was so much of it and how much of it's going to go to waste. Like, And I started talking about how, you know, hopefully within the next year we can start raising some of our own meat. And my brother-in-law goes, well, wouldn't it just be smarter for you to just go buy it from somebody else? It's like, that's not the point. (laughs) The point is that I want to raise it. Yeah. I can go somewhere and figure out, you know, where I can buy it. But I don't know exactly, like, what they're feeding it or how they're treating it or anything like that. Like, it's probably fine. But it's like, I want to take the social responsibility of growing my own since I have the space to do it. And yeah, it might cost me a little more. But I'm okay with that. Well, and it gives you that experience also. You know, like, I want to try everything once and see if I like it. And if I don't like it, I won't do it anymore. And I'll hunt down that local farmer to buy that thing from. This totally reminds me of, uh, I did a little research on how homesteaders could raise their own fish if they wanted to. Because, you know, we talked about how you can technically farm fish. And I came across this really funny article in Modern Farmer. And it's this one guy's experience with trying to grow tilapia himself. Because, you know, (laughs) he thought, he was like, well, I got all this space, so I might as well grow some tilapia. And he, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you guys can read it. But, like, long story short, he spent more money on the tanks. Like, it turns out you kind of have to have an engineering degree to get all of the stuff, like, <laughs> <laughs> like wired correctly. Oh, my and, gosh. Oh, man. 
some of the parts like the book describes you like making them yourself and then it turns out like after the cost of materials and the time that it took to put it together you were better off just buying it from like an aquaculturist store oh my gosh <laughs> and you know like fish you got to know something about water so like you know yeah. you have to like buy the kits to like make sure that your water is good because you know um when you're eating fish and this is true of duck also uh, it kind of tends to taste like the water it came out of so mm-hmm. you want to make sure that your water is clean. Otherwise, it'll have like a scummy taste. And I don't know. This guy's story was super funny. And then he did like what the homesteaders did, or like, you know, what we were planning to do with our chickens. And it turns out just Jared and I ended up doing them. But, um, you know, you invite a bunch of friends over to help you do it. Yeah. And then you, you know, like cook up some of it that day and share it with everybody, like, you know, in exchange for the labor and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And he said that his fish, like despite his best effort, they still had like a scummy taste to it. He wasn't sure if his guests were just being polite or they didn't notice it as much. But <laughs> he's like, yeah, I spent all this money, like, you know, farming these fish myself responsibly because that's right. The point was you can buy farmed fish, but he wanted fish that had been farmed without the use of antibiotics or, um, you know, commercial soy um, mm-hmm. products and whatnot. But yeah, I, th- I thought that was a super funny story. No, that is really funny because I was like, how am I going to do that? Like after watching the cut episode, I was like, oh, <laughs> I just want to do everything myself, right. which is a mentality that can get you in trouble because we're not meant to do everything by ourselves. And like, that's a good point. Like, it's really cool that that guy went through that whole experience. And I'm sure he learned so much. But sometimes it is better to leave it to the experts. Right. Um, <laughs> there are some things that are just a little harder to do. than Yeah, it like growing like a outside. cow, <laughs> like feeding a cow <laughs> is one thing, but trying to like deal with fish and ph level in water and no well that's not for me (laughs) and you know one of the things he ran into was the fish didn't grow as fast as he thought they were going to so he had to heat the water too so suddenly like you know this thing that you think you're doing like the responsible sustainable way is like sucking all this energy because you know he doesn't want the hundred fish lives to go to waste so yeah Uh, this life is it it's totally like a it's a checks and balances thing (laughs) You got to kind of feel out like what you have the gumption for. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But I think it's, it's great that, you know, you go into it with a mentality of just trying to figure it out. Like I was kind of surprised at my brother-in-law's response because he's a like avid hunter. Like he'll go on bear hunts and boar hunts and he hunts deer and he's really good at it. Like he, he does a very good job. But he just seemed like, so, like, why why don't you just buy it from the store attitude about, like, beef and chicken and things like that. And it's like, it, it, and I just kind of stopped talking because it's kind of like politics. Like, you're just not going to change somebody's mind in one sitting. And it's not worth, like, getting fired up about if you can tell that they're just going to shut down anything you say. (laughs) So it's just like, yep, it's fine. It's fine. Like, we're just not going to see eye to eye. You haven't you know, experience the journey that I've had even in the past, you know, year and a half of just living out here and learning just a ton. Um, He's not in it day in and day out. He's not going to get it on the same level as I do because, you know, he lives in Metro Detroit, but he goes out and hunts. 
But he's also offered to come help if we ever decide to do meat chicken or anything. He's like, I'll come out and help you slaughter. That doesn't bother me. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's funny. I feel like hunters always say that. We had some friends volunteer to come help us slaughter the chickens also because they were hunters. Um, But we did just fine on our own. And neither Jared or I, uh, I mean, I I can't recall ever actually going out and hunting anything myself. I don't know Mm -hmm. if my husband ever has. I want to say no, but that's not necessarily a guaranteed. Um, I have helped clean deer before, so like I had an idea of what I was doing. But yeah, until I went and helped with the ducks on Farm to Table Mama's farm, I had never mm-hmm. actually like killed something myself. Yeah, and so like you're never really sure if that's something you can really do. Yeah, I'm not sure that I really have either. Like my dad hunts, my brother hunts, my husband hunts. Um, but I'm not sure that I've ever killed anything to eat before. So that'll be interesting when that happens. But it's like, I feel like if I'm growing it, like a, like meat chickens, I kind of want to do it. And I don't trust my brother-in-law to do it because I don't know that he'll have the same respect level for the animal that I would. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, or taking it to a professional um, processor if we, if, you know, we don't have the resources to do it ourselves or if I like quote unquote chicken out. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I feel like I, I've met them. I've seen them personally. They do a lot for our community. So I feel good about like paying them to do it. Yeah. um, Because they give back a ton to 4-H. Well, and that's another way that you can support you know, a lo- another local dreamer in your area. Exactly. Yes. And they, they do it right. They have, I guess when they do it, like there's somebody from the FDA there and they like watch what they're doing and they're super like ethical about it. So I know it's like a good place to take it and do it if we decide to go that route. That's good. That's nice that you <laughs> found that resource there. Yeah. It's like, it's only a couple miles down the road too. So it's not bad. Well, and, you know, I want to circle back to you talking about your, you know, your brother-in-law lives in the city, so, like, he might not fully understand all of this. Like, you know, one mm-hmm. of the things I always forget to tell people also is, like, I never think that everybody should be, like, a homesteader and create all of their no. own food. Like, yeah. I, I think cities are important to our economy and, like, our whole way of life as well. We all can't mm-hmm. own acres of lands and homestead. No. Yeah, no, but I think what's important is that people are open-minded to both lifestyles. Yeah. Whereas sometimes I think it's, you know, the perception is, oh, you're going to, you know, it's going to be so expensive for you to do that. Or I don't understand how you have all that time to take care of all those animals. Like people will say that to me and I want to say back to them, I don't understand how you keep human beings alive that are like, that can't take care of themselves. (laughs) Um, Animals are like nothing compared to that in my brain. So I think it's just when it's a two way street and you can have an open conversation, I think that's like a really beautiful thing. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. And it's not always like the quote unquote city people talking down to the farmer. Sometimes it's like the country people talking down to the city folk, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, city folk don't understand. And I'm guilty (laughs) of that, too. Like whenever I get into something, I'm always so excited about it. So I want to share it with everybody. Yeah. And I I have a hard time recognizing when somebody does not share my enthusiasm about it. And then I'm (laughs) confused and I think I accidentally get a little rude because I don't get it. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, like, it's just not what they're into. I mean, everybody's into different things. Not everybody thinks giving chickens baths is fun. And (laughs) (laughs) they don't understand why they would need to give a chicken a bath. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, they should listen to our Messy Mildred episode. (laughs) They should. Yeah. 
No, and that's why I've decided, like, I just, I'm almost, like, guarded when I go into those situations. Because some people are naturally curious about the homestead farmish lifestyle. So I'm happy to talk to them and ask answer their questions. But if it ever feels like it's getting tense or they just don't understand or it could, you know, be on the verge of being disrespectful either way, I just shut it down and stop talking. Which can also be perceived as being a bitch but I don't really care well you can be like do you know how some people really like to collect chicken tchotchkes and they'll be like yeah like well I really like to collect the real thing and then that's all you have to say (laughs) yeah (laughs) the end (laughs) hey Bev did you know that there is a natural organic pesticide out there that you can use on your plants and around your animals without them getting sick oh yeah i totally did because you've got to be talking about first saturday lime (laughs) which is the lime that's unforgettable oh snap you went there (laughs) but i'm very happy to announce that there are no frogs harmed in the making of first saturday lime because we double checked yeah we totally did because i was a little concerned about the poor froggies but ricardo is safe He's good to go. And he's just the mascot for First Saturday Lime. And the name reminds you to lime every single month because you want to keep out pests and keep your fresh clean. And this time of year, I don't know about you, but the flies are terrible and disgusting in a chicken coop. And First Saturday Lime does a really good job of keeping that under control. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you don't just use lime like around the outside of your house and the outside of your coop to keep the pest down. I also throw my lime on the floor of the coop after I'm done cleaning it and I put the new bedding down because it helps keep the bedding fresher a little longer. And the chickens also love to bathe in it because it keeps like the mites and the lice and the other like external parasites down. So I throw it in their dust bath also. And it's totally safe. Yeah, it's totally safe for them to even eat it can actually help strengthen their shells because all it really is is precipitated calcium carbonate, as our friend Jessica told us. Big words. <laughs> Big words. We <Woo>, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, she described it as ground up Tums. So I think it's a great product to use, and I feel really good using it around my fur, feathered, and human children. Yeah, totally. And you guys can get 10% off when you go to FirstSaturdayLime.com and use code hashtag drink. Again, that's FirstSaturdayLime.com. Use hashtag drink at checkout. And you can use that code every time you buy lime. Because don't forget, you want a lime every first Saturday. I realized last episode, we never really followed up on our garlic talk either. Like, we had so much to say about cod. Oh, my gosh. That that episode would have been hours long if we had tried to squeeze in like garlic follow-up as well oh yeah this is the perfect episode to drop some garlic follow-up into i did some research and i actually did order some garlic to plant in our garden beds this year so i'm pretty excited about it and we had a great garlic conversation inside our group so i'm gonna plug our group again if you haven't joined our group go ahead and do that It's called We Drink and We Farm Things over on Facebook. But I did some research on the different types of garlic also because I realized I didn't know anything about garlic. And I'll link in the show notes to this article that I found. It's on almanac.com. And it just sort of like goes into the different types of garlic that there are, like what grows in different regions better. 
Um, I'm always trying to learn new things. So I, I went to this almanac first and sort of did some reading. And then I did a Google search for a local garlic producer. And I managed to found, find one that's only like 40 minutes from my house. Well, no, it's not 40 minutes. It's like 40 miles. But it takes an hour because I live in the middle of the hills. <laughs> <laughs> But did you know that there are two different types of garlic? No, I did not. Yeah, there's like a soft nut garlic and a hard nut garlic. And so the hard nut garlic is usually what we buy from the grocery store. You know, it's got like the hard top on it. Yeah. And the soft neck is the one that you can braid. I was really bummed when I learned that because I was telling my husband about how we were going to grow garlic and I was going to have garlic braids hanging all over the house. (laughs) Well, it turns out you have to buy soft neck garlic in order to do that. And soft neck garlic doesn't do very well in cold climates. So we have to plant hard neck garlic. (laughs) And that was something else that was really nice about ordering all of my like garlic starts. I mean, they're not really starts, but you know, they're the cloves that you plant into the ground that grow into garlic. I bought them locally because I knew that they would be varieties that were able to grow here where I live. Oh, smart. Yeah. yeah. So, and they ship. So if anybody lives anywhere in Ohio, um, they can use my resource and I'll put a link to them in the show notes also. Where did I buy it? It's Mad River Garlic. And it was funny when I Googled Ohio garlic, Mad River came up and I was like, ooh, there's a Mad River brewing in Ohio. So this definitely <laughs> has to be like local garlic. And sure enough. <laughs> That's funny. I thought you were going to make a vampire joke or something. A vampire joke? Well, I mean, I definitely bought enough garlic to, like, ward all of the vampires away. (laughs) So if you have any locally, like, vampires locally, you're you're good now. You're safe. Right. (laughs) Well, and, you know, one of the fun things about growing my own garlic this year, too, is going to be garlic scapes in the spring. I saw those all over Instagram this year and I was like, what on earth are garlic scapes? I thought that they were something people were finding out like foraging for. And it turns out when the green tops come out of the garlic, you're supposed to trim a bunch of them back because it helps the bulbs develop better. Oh, yeah. I learned that on the on the episode when we watched it. I did, too. Yeah. And you can use those scapes in cooking. So I'm looking forward to making garlic scape pesto. That's what I want to do with it. Fancy. Because I love pesto and it goes well with homemade Mm -hmm. noodles. That's another meatless meal. Oh, that sounds so good right now. Doesn't it? I'm kind of hungry. I skipped lunch today. I don't know why I did that to myself. <laughs> yeah, I had brunch, but I had a um, a bagel with cream cheese and smoked salmon, which was delicious, but it wasn't a lot. And that was like mm, was six hours ago. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> Sam's going to, we, we brought so much meat back with us. Like one of those white to go containers, like full like to just packed with meat. So I'm going to make pulled pork nachos tonight. Ooh, that sounds really good. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited for that. (laughs) (laughs) So we assigned some more homework last week. I feel like we've really been pushing the homework lately. Um, But we, I I saw this really cool documentary about minimalism on Netflix. And I was like, Bev, you have to watch it. I think we can tie this into the podcast. No. Obviously, like, minimalism has not a ton to do with farming, (laughs) but I thought it was really a a cool perspective just in general that could complement the homesteading lifestyle. Well, it was like that one lady. I can't remember what her name is now. I I didn't take any notes on this documentary. I just didn't feel like this documentary needed notes Um, just because it's, you know, like it's a lifestyle change. So that'd be more fun just to like chat about the different aspects that minimalism can have to do with 
the farming lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, but she lived in a tiny house, like, you know, a little 300 square foot tiny house. And she had a farm as well. Yeah, it looks like a big farm, too. It did. Like, she had cows and, like, pigs yeah. and all sorts of animals. Um, so there are people who have tiny houses and run farms as well. It was funny, though, while I was watching it, Jared came and sat with me to watch part of it. And he looked at me and he's like, why are you guys watching this for the podcast? Because, like, isn't minimalism, like, antithesis to the farming life? In order to have chickens, you have to own those chickens, which is yeah things that you own. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it kind of. But I, I think the theme of the, or at least the theme that I took away from it, rather than, like, trying to only own the number of things that can fit on my back it was just to be more conscious about not just food but like the other purchases we make as well yeah no I thought so too like as I was sitting there watching it my eyes drifted over to this like tower of dvds that we do not watch at all so in my mind I'm like why don't I just sell those (laughs) like We don't watch them. Like, obviously, we can keep a couple that we might watch again later. Um, But so much of it, it's like streaming and stuff now. And I'd rather, you know, put my money into Netflix than, you know, just stare at these DVDs collecting dust where I could sell them and maybe pay for Netflix for like a year, Um, even if they went for like a dollar a piece. (laughs) So I think it's like kind of more of a decluttering mindset than an anti-buying things mindset, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, it's not necessarily like, so there are still things I want to and need to buy. But just like with our food, I'm trying to make better decisions about what I spend my money on. So like only buying things that like really, truly make me happy. And without even meaning to, I sort of did this uh, the week before we watched this, uh, this documentary. I went and bought myself a really nice pair of boots, which is something I wouldn't have normally done. I would have seen them and I would have said, oh, those are really nice boots, but they're expensive. So I should really go and try to find something on sale. And then in my quest to to fill that like happiness void that I had for those boots, I would hunt out something that was like really inexpensive and not really quite the same. Right. And then I still wouldn't be happy with them. So then I would have four of them. Yeah. And I wouldn't like any of them. And none of them would fit right. None of them would really be the look that I was going for. I don't know. Maybe boots isn't the right. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a good <laughs> right point, though. Because but, yeah. those boots that you're looking at might be expensive for a reason. It might be because they're really good quality. Like they're maybe American made. They're, they're not made by somebody in a sweatshop somewhere. So yeah. I think... You know, and then like I've done that before, too, with boots, actually, where I see someone like, oh, my God, those are beautiful. I would love them. And then I might order a different pair online that kind of look like it, but I put them on my feet and they're not comfortable or you can tell they're cheap and they last like two months and then I'll buy another pair. Whereas if I would have bought the more expensive pair, they probably would have lasted longer and it would have been, you know, saving me money in the long run, <laughs> more than likely. Because you would have ended up with something that you were really happy yeah, with. Yeah, just like, you know, I know you have a lot of, like, the, the Duluth training, or Duluth training, trading company <laughs> clothing. And you've told yes. me, like, it's such good quality that it will last you a long time. 
And a lot of my mindset with shopping is just buy what's cheap because that's what you can afford right now. But it never lasts very long. Well, and, you know, I'm sort of taking that approach this year too. Uh, a really cool, like, little secondhand shop sort of opened up in my town. So I did go through my closet. Uh, I started this before we started the minimalism documentary. Um, but I was starting to kind of try to pare it down because, like, it's not just the boots that I did this with. I did this with, like, I don't know why, clothes. I... I've, I turned to clothes to like make me happy. I've never felt super comfortable as myself. So I thought that by like dressing a certain way I could fit in mm-hmm. with who I thought I was, I was, or wh- who I thought I was supposed to be by dressing the part. And I always like failed on some level. So I never really ended up feeling comfortable in any of the stuff that I bought. Cause I bought the cheapest, like most on sale thing I could find, which probably wasn't really the right size. So it never really fit right or was never really comfortable. So then I never really wore it. And then like before I know it, I have like a giant pile of clothes in my closet. And then it's stressing me out all the time because I have this thing that I know I need to take care of that I'm putting off because it's literally a mountain of clothes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody wants to do no, that. And I've been like dreading. I need like I try to go through my closet almost seasonally, but I haven't done that probably. Yeah. I think in the spring I did like a purge and I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay because I had a bunch of LuLaRoe stuff that I bought impulsively and never wore. Um, I do that with that stuff a lot too. <laughs> and like the money I got back was insane because I had some quote unquote unicorn leggings and they oh, yeah. went like one pair of leggings I got like $70 for, which is crazy. Holy cow. Yeah. So there's so much money just sitting in your house in your closet for stuff you don't use. And like, even like I said, with those DVDs, if I sold them for a dollar a piece, that could be a couple hundred dollars. Same with books or, you know, stuff that you might not use. Like, obviously if books make you happy or if DVDs make you happy, keep them. That's not the point. It's just like, you know, identifying the areas where you can scale back. Like, I, I don't think it would make me happy to be able to put all my things into a backpack and, you know, that's all I have. I don't think that would make me happy. Um, but the decluttering is kind of nice and just not spending money on things that you don't actually need. Um, I don't think the message of the documentary was stop consuming. I think it was just <laughs> to be like a conscious consumer and to be aware of how you're spending your money and why you're spending your money. Well, it was kind of funny, too. Jared was like, I want to see somebody that has kids that does this. Do any of these people has, have kids? That's like, what who I lives said, too. in these 300 square foot houses and <laughs> has kids? And then suddenly somebody did come on that had kids. He was um, clutter free with kids, I think was what mm-hmm. like his blog or book or whatever it was that he wrote. And you would not believe it. He lived in one of those like Phoenix McMansions Ugh. that like Jared and I were like trying really hard not to end up living in yeah <laughs> you know it's just like one of those uh, mcmansion isn't necessarily a word it's just you know a planned community yeah in, in a neighborhood where all the houses look the same yeah that was just not something that would make us happy there's lots of people that that lifestyle makes them happy and there's nothing wrong with that one is not better than the other um but it yeah. made me laugh that like the guy that was the clutter free for ki- you know the clutter free free with kids was in the area of Arizona that we left. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned that too, because like around the corner, a couple miles away, a new subdivision was put in where we live in our town. And my father-in-law is like, I don't understand why you wouldn't just buy one of those. And it's because they're on top of each other. Like I, 
no, that's not what I'm going for here. Like, yes, we have a lot of land. Yes, we need to mow the lawn. Yes, it's my mother-in-law. It's a lot of work. Yeah, my mother-in-law. It costs money to maintain. She was like, oh, you know, those animals, they've got you locked in. And she said it like it was a bad thing. And it's just that they don't understand that this was the goal or that this lifestyle is what we like. And we like having the responsibility of owning these animals and eventually being able to use them to make little money on the side or just stuff for ourselves. So it's just a mindset thing that even for this minimalism stuff, like it's just a mindset shift and thinking of things in a different way. Well, you know, the whole reason why they even pursued like that minimalist lifestyle to begin with was because they were pursuing happiness. Yeah. And we kind of touched on that last week when we talked about the Gretchen Rubin book, The Happiness Mm -hmm. Project. There's another book, too, that I'll recommend if minimalism or like, you know, just decluttering in general is something that you're thinking that would make you happy as well. It's a the Maria Kondo method, and it's called uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And my husband listened to this book, and I'm telling you, he, like, purged everything that he was allowed to purge oh, wow. on his own. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah, he did a really great job. He's much better at that stuff than I am. I listened to the book, and I walked into my closet, and then I think I immediately just, like, crumbled into tears or something because I just, like, couldn't get over <laughs> the mental hurdle of, Aww. you know, getting into this. But, you know, part of it, too, is, like, my closet was something that I was trying to use as a way to identify myself and I failed miserably Mm. at it. It's probably not a great example, I guess, (laughs) but it's true that having less things to take care of in general does like reduce the amount of stress that I have. But I think that's also a good example of sometimes it just takes people a little longer to get where they need to get mindset wise. Like, Just because you listen to a book doesn't mean it's going to immediately change your life. Like sometimes it takes a little while to implement. And I know I've said it before where like, I don't like being told what to do, but I'm also a rule follower, which is very confusing. Um, You're like a rebel rule follower. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes that stuff takes a little longer to sink in or to get over. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean that you need to go in and purge your closet right away. It could even just be like taking one thing out a week and like putting it into a donation pile. Um, well, I did get four bags out and dropped off at ooh. our local secondhand store. And I just gave them to her and I was like, here, I'll just let you go through them. So you can tell me if I'm on the right track of stuff that you want to have in your store. If I'm on track, let me know and I'll continue to clean my closet out. And she sent me a text and she's like, yeah, I love all of this stuff. This Aww. is exactly what I'm looking for. So I'm like, all right, I will continue to clean out my closet because maybe I can get a little something back for it also. Like I... I I prefer to donate stuff. Usually we donate a ton of clothes and stuff out of here, like for the kids and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But some of the stuff that I've bought was kind of expensive and still like almost brand new, which is probably better to donate as well. But I also sort of feel like I need to get a little something back. Right. If I can out of it, just because I can use that towards like one of my farming goals around here. Right. I'm always working like extra jobs because I love having side gigs because it keeps my brain busy. Mm Mm-hmm. And extra money when you live on a farm is always nice. Exactly. But But I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. And there's stores out, like online things even, that you can give your clothes to and they'll give you a little bit of money and they turn around and, you know, sell it for even more or whatever. But 
And there's yeah, stores I've used like Thread that up, too. Yeah. And I did Poshmark also. Okay. Poshmark was kind of a pain because you had to take the pictures yourself and like ship it. And <clears throat> I'm telling you, I sold over a thousand dollars in stuff on Poshmark like, in the last year. Yeah. That's how much had to how much many clothes like I was buying and then realizing, oh wait, these don't really fit me. Or these don't fit my lifestyle. Or these don't yeah, it's Dang. insane. But good for you for like you know, turning it around and purging it. Right. Well, and that's how I bought the goats. Uh, ah, all that's of my, so cool. when, <laughs> when we were getting ready to move, I did a semi-closet purge and I stuck it all up on Poshmark. That money that I made from it, I stuck it in what I called my homestead fund. Mm-hmm. And then when we got around to buying the goats, I took the money out of that savings account and bought the goats that's with them. cool. Yeah. So if anybody out there needs uh, money for more animals, that's a good place to start. <laughs> Your closet and Poshmark. Yeah. No. My closet, we were stuck in this really horrible, like, satellite internet that I hated, and it was awful, and we would blow through, like, the cap in a couple of days for the whole month, but it was, like, three or $400 to cancel it, so, and I was just like, you know what, if I just cancel it, like, that is still cheaper than paying $80 a month for, like, a year and a half more. Um, for something that yeah. I wasn't really even using. So I sold a bunch of shit out of my closet to do that. So sometimes yeah. you just got to get a little crafty and look around your house and say, hmm, what do I actually not need <laughs> right. that could, you know, I can get rid of and improve my life. So it's really nice not having that bill anymore. And we don't have to worry about dealing with shitty internet anymore. So it was a win-win. We spent the whole day cleaning today because, you know, it's Sunday and it's a rainy day. So it just felt like a good time to do something like that. And I was walking around my house, like changing out. We have all these scentsy warmers everywhere. Mm. And I'm really terrible about, you know, like dumping the scents and putting new ones in. So they've been on and you couldn't smell anything. So I was like, well, (laughs) so I walk around and change all these scentsy things. And I was like, I'm like, think of how sad it is for all those guys that carry all of their stuff on their back, not having sensi warmers. And I was like, wait, think about how much time they save not having to change out their damn sensi warmers because everything that they own is on their back. But they're so, they can be so cute and seasonal and stuff. They are really cute. I just finally put my reindeer one away. That's how great I am at changing things for the seasons. <laughs> I told my husband that. I was like, I took down the rain, the reindeer Scentsy warmer. He was like, oh, just in time. <laughs> yeah, it, you're going to be able to bring it back out in about two and a half months. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we have anything else about minimalism we wanted to chat about? I don't think so. All right. Um, I think you're going to throw up some links to that book you mentioned. And then the book that the two guys in the documentary wrote called All That Remains. Um, yeah, we got that as an audible book. I haven't listened to it yet. My husband probably started it today because he listens to books while he's doing chores around here. Oh. Um, but he seemed to be pretty excited about it. So yeah, let me know how that is because I might I might get that one because some of the yeah. excerpts that they read sounded really good. They really did. Um, yeah, it was definitely like an interesting. Like it, it really did change my perspective on. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I really need to, like, buy something. Oh, yeah. Before I forget, while I was changing out the Scentsy Warmers, too, I started thinking of all the things that I, like, collect or, like, keep on hand. I'm not a hoarder by any means. (laughs) But, like, 
I love, uh, like, I, I really like my Scentsy warmers. Well, I like those little wax things, you know, that go in them. I don't buy them from Scentsy because I don't like the way that those ones smell. They, like, smell too perfumey for me. Uh-huh. But there are, like, local people that make them, you know, like, out of soy and essential oils and stuff. Ooh. So that's usually what I buy. I have, like, a whole, like, little tiny chest thing full of those. Uh-huh. What on earth am I saving those for? A special occasion? Use the damn Scentsy waxes. I have <laughs> like-, <laughs> like a whole drawer of them too because when I went through a little Scentsy like binge, um, I just went on eBay and got a shit ton of them for super cheap. And I still have drawers for drawerfuls of them because like you, I'll turn them on and they don't smell like anything and I'm just lazy and I usually yeah. make a mess when I empty them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i noticed my husband changed one of them today so so now your house smells all cozy yeah i don't but really like it, the one that he put in though i'm not a fan uh, it, what smell it, did he put in i'm not sure but it's one it's kind of perfumey and i'm oh, kind of yeah. over it some of them are better than others but oh well at least he changed it that was nice of him <laughs> So watching the documentary reminded me, like, I need to use the things that I buy and just enjoy them and not save them. And I need to only buy things that really, truly bring me joy. That was my takeaway. I think that's really, I think that's a good takeaway to have. And I think, and I I think even like watching that, that I didn't feel like they were pushy about minimalizing anything because they come out and say, if something makes you happy, you can keep it. So, which is definitely like a less threatening, like approach to something like that. (laughs) It felt less extreme. Like one of the ladies on there, she was a little aggressive for me. She was like professor or something. She's like, well, because of this, there's this. And if you were more socially conscious about where you bought your clothes, there wouldn't be sweatshops and blah, blah, blah. Like she was very black and white about it. And I was like, lady, like, it's not that simple. Like there are a reason for the way things are. And while it's not always right, it's not as simple as like buy less shit. I didn't really like her, but the two main guys, I thought they were pretty cool and reasonable, but they were huggers. That's right. (sighs) Yeah. I knew we were going to have to talk about that. Yeah. They were huggers. So, but they were kind of cute. So maybe I would have been okay hugging them. Maybe, maybe after a beer, I would have hugged them. I have no shame. If they're attractive, that might be a little more okay. (laughs) And after a beer. Hopefully they don't smell. <laughs> they don't have sensei warmers all over the house. so <laughs> Right, yeah. We don't know how they smell. <laughs> well, I do have a funny story to oh, share. I mean, okay. it's kind of a funny story. I don't know. I'll tell it. Maybe you can tell me whether it's funny or not. Okay. But so, so I live in a really small town. There's like 800 people that live here. There's not, oh, there, there's not a lot of space. There's not very many blocks like when you go into town. Well... We're driving by on the main highway through what's known as Main Street. Mm-hmm. And we're driving by this driveway and my husband goes, oh, look, there's the turkeys of Bainbridge. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, the turkeys of Bainbridge. You haven't seen them? And I'm like, what on earth are the turkeys of Bainbridge? And I look and sure enough, there's these three American heritage like red turkeys just like <laughs> waddling down the side of the highway. And I'm like what on earth is this? And he's like, well, apparently someone in town has turkeys and is just letting them free range the town of Bainbridge and no one will claim them. 
and they just run free and do whatever they want. And sure enough, like we have like this little Bainbridge connections like page. There are pictures of them and people complaining of them like roosting on their cars, (laughs) eating all of the things out of their front yards, just like generally running around causing a ruckus. And they're big too. Like they're getting close to like full size. Well, we go into our little diner and have breakfast. That's what my my husband and my dates are. They're breakfast after we've dropped the kids off at school because <laughs> we don't have to pay a babysitter to go out to breakfast in the morning. And we both work from home. So we're sitting there at breakfast and somebody is like, oh, hey, did you hear that the turkeys at Bainbridge are gone? And we're like, what? The turkeys are gone? Yeah. No one would claim them. So we're thinking that somebody just like came up and got them. And I was like, dang it. I totally would have done that because <laughs> I could use some turkeys around here. <laughs> but the turkeys at Bainbridge are gone. I said maybe the owner just finally got smart and decided to keep them in their backyard. Maybe. You know, because they were afraid of that. But yeah, I mean, I can't believe that they were just like wandering around. But then when I was at the Bainbridge Connections website, there are chickens running around all over Bainbridge also. Like some people free range their chickens. (laughs) Like my doctor's office uh, took a picture of a chicken under the bench, like in front of their little like storefront. (laughs) It was like, hey, somebody come get this chicken. There's a chicken just like hanging out because like our main street is Highway 50. So it's, you know, like semis and like you know everybody like driving by the speed limit's only 25 in my town but still but like still, it's yeah. super weird that there's like turkeys and chickens just like hanging out on the side they're of the road like the real turkeys of bainbridge like it could be a reality tv show uh, it the totally could have been series yeah yeah <laughs> maybe i'll see if there's enough of those funny uh posts and try to compile them into some sort of like sensical like oh, storyline for them there you go yeah <laughs> in all your free time right In all my free time, right? (laughs) I've already decided that the next thing that I have to make and put up on the Patreon is going to be the song of likes. Because I swear I cut 1,500 likes out of the last episode. Oh, so instead of um, now it's like? (laughs) Like this and like that and um, like this. and (laughs) And then you can just throw in a few woos, you know, to spice it up a little bit. There we go. Like, woo, like, woo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, if anyone else has a funny story that they'd like to send us, um, feel free to email it to drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Yeah. And we'll read it on the podcast. Yeah, we keep saying that and nobody's following through. So you don't really have much competition if you decide, you know, to do that. And we'll probably read it next week. (laughs) (laughs) we know everybody's busy and it's a crazy time of year and summer's crazy and now everybody's getting back into their routines so yeah we understand that's true i'm finally getting back into my routine with my book club we're starting a new book tomorrow although it'll be five days ago like when you actually hear this podcast but that's all right you can still join us and you won't be too late we're doing a fermenting book so i'll put a link in the show notes to my book club if anybody wants to come and join us you know fermenting for gut health yeah i was thinking fermenting booze oh no i did i did want to ferment some apple cider this year and you know make like what is that even called it's just fermented apple cider hard Hard cider yeah like hard cider cider. that's what it is (laughs) um but i haven't even gone out to see if my apples are ripe i'm sure that they are and the birds are probably eating them all yeah maybe next year yeah maybe next year i'm just like behind on all the things this year yeah but that's all right you can't boil the ocean so that's right well thanks for listening guys yeah um this was uh we drink and we farm things 
And you can find us over on Instagram at Drink and Farm. You can use our hashtag, hashtag Drink and Farm. Uh, as long as you're doing that responsibly, you'll have the chance to be featured. We do features on Tuesdays and Thursdays. There are no real rules other than obviously be safe. Um, I might pull one from a couple months ago or do one from the same week. It's just, you know, how I'm feeling that day when I, I look through the hashtag. So feel free to use that. And like we've repeated a billion times. Go join our Facebook group, We Drink and We Farm Things, because we have a lot of fun in there. We sure do. Mm-hmm. We'll drink, farm, and, and give, give zero, zero clucks. clucks. Bye, guys. Bye.